Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. Three hundred years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombie Land. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies, and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Welcome to the Virtual Alexandria. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. Thanks for that, Morgan, and welcome everybody to enjoy the latest AB Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now and in this red pill cafeteria. Elliot Saxton returned to the virtual Alexandria with a heretical blast. He presented on the father of Gnosticism and the father of all heresies, Simon Magus. Beyond little known but critical facts about the magician, we explored his symbiotic relationship with Simon Peter, the rock. We discovered an elegant theology of fire magic and cosmic liberation. But you know that happens when we cover one of the show's patron saints. We need Gnosis more than ever in this age of Hermes, Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. The collective and personal human consciousness is collapsing and only the fire of Prometheus and the breath of Sophia will save us. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or many of my guests and their unique insights, anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. So please, support in any way you can. One way to support, which actually provides you with incredible educational material, is to join the Virtual Alexandria Academy. Have you ever wondered what it means to be a Gnostic? Explore the depths of ancient knowledge with our exclusive online course on Gnosticism and learn at your own pace. 
Immerse yourself in the mysteries of the ancient world and uncover secrets never revealed before. I've recently added the lessons, Gnosticism and Stargate, and the characteristics of Mary Magdalene. High octane gnosis for ya. Check it out in the show notes. And don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, video game, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatever. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. Other than that, let us to our latest AB Live, and let us pierce the veil of mainstream Christian history. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, hey Zeus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and Always delicious Taco Bell. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, you're golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist palm. He was a man, he had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best, do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. And I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant and so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to AB Live. Welcome to the virtual Alexandria. My name is Miguel Connor, and yes, I am still your pompous of Gnosis, that madman across the waters of creation. One of your hosts tonight, and yes, that intro is from the virtual Alexandria Academy, which includes a topic of a patron saint of this show, Simon Magus, you can find my presentation on Simon Megas on YouTube and other places, but the Virtual Alexandria Academy certainly complements it, complements it with uh, presentations on Mary Magdalene, uh, the Ophites, the Borborites, and that sort of magical high weirdness milieu that was around Simon Megas and Helen of Tyre and Jesus and all these strange Gnostics and their little heretical shenanigans. So check out the course if you can. And yes, again, very excited because tonight we have back 
Elliot Saxton. Elliot, thank you very much for uh, joining us again, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Love what you're doing. And with us, too, we've got the Moondog Vance. Diagnostic? Diagnostic. Diagnostic. Oh, uh, <laughs> trying to sound Latin or something. Diagnostic, man. Diagnostic. Uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, too, Vance. And for the audience already going into the chat room, always good comments, always good questions. If you have questions or comments, please super chat them. We will make sure we will get to you, or if you, even if you have a comment, even if it's something nasty against me or Vance, we will definitely put it up there because you you pay to insult us like those fairs where throw the ball at the guy and he falls in the water. But We're if not, get it now, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Open the gates. Not, yeah, well, had had to be done. Um, but if not, uh, put a lot of question marks, caps, and uh, Vance will do his best to get to you and uh yeah i think uh i might do some housekeeping later on i always have a, a notes and stuff i should stay in i always forget it so i'll try to remember later so um elliot we want to let the uh, audience sort of come in quickly uh so in another five ten minutes we can start on your presentation so i wanted to ask you a few questions and uh what just so the audience can know more about yourself, uh, what is your stance? Historical Jesus or not? Yeah, I, I believe in historic Jesus. Uh, what would you say? You come down on historicity? I, I want to keep it. I think the best argument for me is mythicist mm -hmm. Jesus, but very close, getting closer is sort of a, Jesus the magician slash spiritual, I don't know what they called him, a spiritual freelancer entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you know, those wandering magical guys. Uh, those That would probably be my second, and I think that's where I am these days. Yeah, I think itinerant rabbi is the academic term, right? I, I would go with Morton Smith and Robert Connor. Magician. Yeah. He was Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that? How about the quantum Jesus, though? That's what I believe in. is the superimposition of multiple Jesus. You know, he's real, he's fake, he's a rabbi, he's a saint, he's like the king, he's everything all at once, depending on which past you pick out. Which, yeah, there's which a bit of that. I mean, which which Jesus is it, right? Is it like the miracle-working Jesus? Is it like the union activist Jesus, right? The communist Jesus? Um, hey, why not? Militant, yeah. yeah. Is he a rebel? And all colors of Jesus, Chinese Jesus, you know, whatever. Yeah, he went to Japan. Yeah, he went to India. He went to Russia. You know, he was definitely a. He has his miles. What did uh, what Albert Schweitzer say say in the quest for the historical Jesus? The Jesus you're looking for is the Jesus you're gonna find. So, the Irish Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> so. Well, you know, there's. There's the observation that people's opinion about the historical Jesus, their opinion of them, always matches themselves, right? So it's yeah. like, uh, you know, people say Jesus was a vegetarian, right? Because maybe Ebionite origins or John the Baptist, uh, you know, they say uh, his group was vegetarian. But um, 
Yeah, because there are the earlier translations don't have uh, the fish; they just have the loaves or something. So. Yes, exactly. And it's not until um, Irenaeus is the first person to point out fish, which mm-hmm. is a little bit, a little bit weird. Yeah. Or that so, it might have, it was probably just loaves, but maybe it's I'm, a Mandela uh, effect. Jesus, every time we go. want something, something, some translation will pop up and support our opinions, our biases. The, the Berenstain Jesus or the Berenstein Jesus. <laughs> um, so I'm a, I'm also a preachy vegan, just like Jesus was, right? So I'm rooting for the the vegetarian Jesus. Uh, a good argument to be made. Certainly the ancient Gnostics, most of them were probably vegetarians, ton of uh, evidence, early Christians, and yeah. Barbecue sure. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Yahweh liked the smell of cooking flesh. See, there's the biblical See? support for it. Well, and that, well, I mean, that's the demiurge, right? Like what kind of twisted person loves like, Charred corpses and like the yeah. smell of Zeus. And so, of course, Jesus is going to do, you know, light and uh, music and happiness, right? Mm-hmm. He got me there. No, Jesus ate fish, though. He went fishing. So, he wasn't a. No, we just talked about that. Uh, and that, do- that doesn't appear until relatively later, where, well. <clears throat> Well, okay, there's the the drought of fish, right? The 153 fish in John, right? But that's taken from Pythagoras. Pythagoras did that before Christ did. Exactly. But it's just, it's to say, like, Jesus is a lot like Pythagoras is what the story is saying. How about the my, bread? He ate bread, right? But, oh, un- unleavened bread. So there's, but there are, is there eggs in unleavened bread? <laughs> that's a good question i doubt there would be back in the day because you had all you could do just to eat a legit meal yeah i don't think they'd be playing too much around but i think eggs were a lot cheaper back then so maybe it definitely was more- <laughs> gasoline was very much cheaper then <laughs> zero cents a gallon yeah well awesome well interesting um and uh what are some and what are some of your other interesting theories? Do you have, uh, for example, somebody was asking, I don't know if you want to get to it now, asking if Simon Magus could be Paul. Do you address it in the presentation? I do, yeah. Which yeah, well, let's wait. Oh yeah, well maybe we could have as a um, I don't know a, a teaser. There's so much Simon Magus in he's a little bit of Peter, a little bit of Jesus. What's even going on, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird. The parallels are just weird in the remixing of the story. I mean, I don't believe... Well, I, actually, I don't know hardly what to believe with the striking parallels with Paul. That you'd think that there's some mixing going on, right? Like, in the Clementine literature, it almost seems like we have the historic Paul and Peter, and we make a Venn diagram. And everything outside of that, they assign to Simon Magus. Mm-hmm. But then it, it changes a little bit where Peter, in the Clementine tradition, is arguing with Simon Magus 
who almost seems just like Paul, right? Like, oh, Christ came to you in a dream, but I saw him in the flesh. What does that sound like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is fascinating. Again, it's almost like uh, are these characters part of one person who has uh, yeah. disassociative disorder or something, or is this invasion of the body snatchers or some mind parasite that's jumping like, like a Doctor Who episode? Because, yeah, there's so many overlaps, and they're the same character, but one is the shadow of the other. But these texts are all spread out from different organizations and groups that didn't like each other or didn't communicate. And you're like, what is going on? As Robert Price said, you know, all we have is dots, but there's a lot of dots to connect. It's like a constellation of dots when it comes to Simon Magus. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's no, that's very true. It's like somebody like so there was a movie. 2,000 years ago, and people get the characters mixed up. They'd say, no, that was, um, no. So Peter said, oh, you thorn in my side, right? No, no, Paul said it in the epistles, right? Uh, the thorn in my flesh, right? And then so in the Clementine tradition, Peter is calling Simon Magus a thorn in my side. That, but that, those are the words of Paul. Like, what's... <laughs> What's even going on? Like you mix, you mix up the dialogue, you mix up the characters. Or some people have said that um, that maybe these were performance pieces originally. You might have heard that idea, just like uh, yeah. you know, in Greek plays. Yes. But you'd almost think maybe it's like a one-person play, right? Like this Simon Magus is Paul, is Jesus, is Peter. Waiting for Godot Magus or something. Oh, brilliant. And of course, the Gnostic Gospels have just made things much more complicated. I feel academia mainstream is trying to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And I know I want to ask Richard Carey, he's like, well, because we can't date them until right now it's all over the place dating these Gospels. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't, it's like you can't get into it. And of course, there's not enough foot, you know, feet on the ground because. Even just the Nag Hammadi library is just the beginning, like something like Simon Magus. You have like the testimony of truth and the apocalypse of Peter and some other that are taking digs at Simon Magus and the Simonian. So you got to wonder, well, why were they doing? Where do they stand with all of this? So the Gnostic Gospels or the Nag Hammadi library just makes things a lot more complicated. So it really is the Jesus you want and the Simon Magus you want, although... I think with Simon Magus, we can say, Elliot, that he was sort of a, I don't know, uh, James Dean, Elvis Presley kind of, Fonz kind of guy, the Rollings. Like, if you ask Jesus, what do you listen to? He would say the Beatles. Simon Magus would say, I listen to the Stones. You know, he's he's pretty yeah. edgy, yeah? Well, I would say he'd, he'd say... Uh some group you've never heard of they're really underground he's hipster you've probably never heard how of about it. the captain and tenille <laughs> that's he had helen that. right <laughs> sunny and chair sunny and chair yeah, <laughs> had to be yeah. a duo right well it, it is fun and that's why we do this and i think there's always some insights in there all right well why don't we get uh, you want to go ahead and get us started on the presentation Presentation. Yeah. All right.
Do I put it up there, or how do we get it on the, the main part? It'll be up there. Let me see. There you go. All right. All right. Brilliant. All right. So we're talking about Simon Magus. In our picture here, there's um, there's Peter on the left, Simon Magus. He's often depicted uh, wearing dark clothing. I told you he was edgy. I guess, yeah. Well, <laughs> Johnny I mean, Cash. He's Joe. There you go. Kind of. I think it's to show he's the he's the black hat. He's the bad guy. But I like to think of him like always wearing white robes. You know, almost like uh, what Gandalf. That's kind of my image of him. So um, we'll get into a little bit of the background on Simon Magus. We'll talk about uh, the story in Acts. And also, um, if you're familiar with the story of Elias and Bar-Jesus in, in Acts, which is a kind of another mixing of, of the characters where you wonder what's going on. There's the Great Declaration, right? That's uh, supposedly Simon's work. It may well be that um, kind of the the best we have on Simon Magus, right? Where the other stuff, Acts, uh, the Acts of Peter, that's polemical. They're, you know, trying to smack talk Simon Magus. And then uh, we'll get into stood, standing, will stand. Those are the, the terms applied to Simon Magus. And then we're going to kind of look at uh, the similarities between all these characters and just how crazy it gets. Like, what is even going on? <laughs> all right, so there's a bunch of literature called the, the Clementine literature, and the homilies are a part of this. And uh, they go into Simon Magus quite a bit, where uh, Peter is arguing with Simon Magus. And just like uh, we said previously, uh, before we started, that Simon Magus seems to be a stand-in for, for Paul, where he talks about um, Simon Magus wasn't there during the life of Paul, or during the life of Christ, and um, he just saw him in visions and whatnot. And seeing, him, seeing Jesus in person is superior to seeing him in visions. And um, so just like Jesus, you know, there's something with uh, John the Baptist. So they say Simon Magus was a Samaritan and a follower of John the Baptist. And then there's a story where uh, Simon Magus is away in Egypt. And it just says to do magic. He's away just doing magic in Egypt. And uh, just for fun, just yeah. on Instagram, hey, I'm doing <laughs> magic, everybody. You know, that's almost like how I figure it, right? He's just living his life, doing magic. <laughs> and then this rascal Dositheus uh, says, yeah, Simon Magus died. Um, and then so when John the Baptist dies, which as another crazy tangent, you look at the similar similarities with John the Baptist and Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, they're both killed. They're both... Um, um, their birth is predicted. And then at the feast, too, this is just a tangent, but uh, John the Baptist's head at the feast, it's almost like the um, the Last Supper, right? But anyway, um, 
so yeah, so Josephius takes up the group, and then um, later uh, Simon Magus uh, gets control of uh, John the Baptist group. And um, there's a weird mention that I thought uh, is worth mentioning. Simon Magus's Sabbath is every eleven days, right. which you, or that's what it's that's what it says in the in the Clementine homilies. And I wonder if that's just to make him seem weird or if that's historical or what's going on. They're just like, yeah, P, uh, Simon Magus, he uh, he says he can't argue with you today because it's his Sabbath today, which is every 11 days. So it's just, I don't know. You think he's like, uh, if that's part of the historical Simon Magus, he's just a kind of a quirky guy. Rebel without a cause, yeah. So, and so here we have, I'm going to read a bit of uh, the Clementine homilies. Aquila, having thus spoken, I, Clement, inquired, what then are the prodigies that he works? And they told me that he makes statues walk, and he rolls himself in the fire and is not burned. And sometimes he flies and makes loaves of stone, which is, that's a little bit interesting, like loaves, just like, you know, loaves and fishes a little bit. Um, becomes a serpent, which that's also interesting because, you know, um, uh, just as the serpent was raised in the wilderness, right, in John, so will Christ uh, be raised up. Um, he, he makes himself into a goat. That's always a good trick, right? Becomes two-faced, changes himself into gold, opens locked gates, melts iron, and then he has the the dishes and everything kind of serve him. So he's like a master and you can almost think like uh, beauty and the beast a little bit, right? It's he's almost Lumiere, like <laughs> Lumiere. <laughs> be our guest. Absolutely. All right. And then Josephus, a lot of acts, you know, scholars will say is based off of Josephus where Whoever is writing Acts um, is also looking at Josephus and is working historical characters into it. And he mentions a Cypriot, which is somebody who lives on uh, Cyprus, and uh, named Simon, uh, who pretended to be a magician, a friend of Felix, and um, he uh, steals uh, Felix's wife. And so you wonder if that's, I mean, maybe that's where Helen comes in, that he has this uh, kind of taboo relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and it maybe comes from um, Josephus or based on, you know, actual historicity. And so here's the Acts of Peter. We have the depictions of Simon Magus. See, he's, uh, he's in the background there. He's being carried by demons that... That's the thing that they, the demons help him fly. So when he's ascending, well, it's actually just demons, right? Which we'll get to later. They say the same thing about Jesus, right? That he's, he's working with demons. And I guess when you see someone do magic and you don't like them, right? That's the explanation. All right. All right. And, um, Let's see. So here we have, uh, there's Peter, 
and uh, Simon Magus comes, right? And um, probably should read it when for those that are listening on. Audio. Oh yeah, yeah, good. So yeah, good go ahead point. and read it from Acts of Peter, chapter four. And the brethren were not a little offended among themselves, seeing moreover that Paul was not at Rome, neither Timotheus nor Barnabas, for they had been sent to Macedonia by Paul, and that there was no man to comfort us. And maybe we could read into no man to comfort us, because there's this idea that Paul is the comforter of Paraclete. And so maybe that's what that's insinuating. There's no man to comfort us, which seems a little bit weird to say. To speak nothing of them, that they had just become catechumens. That, and a catechumen is uh, somebody that's trying to join the church. Like they're uh, a pledge, let's say. And as Simon exalted himself yet more by the works which he did, and many of them daily called Paul a sorcerer, and others a deceiver of so many a great multitude that it had been established in faith, all fell away. But Simon the magician, after a few days were passed, promised the multitude to convict Peter that he believed not the true God, but was deceived. And when he did many lying wonders, that they were firm in the faith, uh, derided him. For in dining chambers he made certain spirits enter in, which were only in appearance and not existing in truth. And what should what more should I say, though he had oft times been convicted of sorcery that made lame men seem whole for a little space, and blind likewise, and once appeared to make many dead live and move, which is a, another interesting thing because like uh, Christ raises the dead, mm -hmm. but here it's it's said that uh, he made it appear as if uh, he raised the dead, which I don't know if you could. That's hard to fake, right? Um, but uh, Peter followed him through and convicted him always unto the beholders, and he now made sorry figure and was derided by the people of Rome. Uh, for he never succeeded in the things which he promised to perform, being in such a plight, as last he said to them. Men of Rome, ye think now that Peter hath prevailed over me. This is the, the exciting part. As more powerful you pay more heed to me, ye are deceived. For tomorrow I shall forsake you, godless and impious that ye are, and fly up to God, whose power I am, though I become weak. Whereas then ye have fallen, I am he that standeth, and I shall go up to my father and say unto him, Me also, even thy son that standeth, have thy desired to pull down, but I consented not to them, and have returned back to myself. And already on the morrow a great multitude assembled at the sacred way to see him flying. And Peter came unto the place, having seen a vision, or to see the sight that he might convict him also. Or as Simon entered into Rome, he amazed the multitude by flying. But Peter that convicted him was then not yet living at Rome, which city he thus deceived by illusion, so that some were carried away by him and amazed by him. So then this man standing on a high place beheld Peter 
and began to say, Peter, at this time I am going up before all the people that behold me. I say unto thee, if thy God is able, whom the Jews put to death and stone you, that they were chosen of him, let him show that faith is in him is faith in God, and let it appear at this time. If he be worthy of God, for I ascending up will show myself unto all this multitude who I am. And behold, when he was lifted up on high and beheld him, raised him up above all Rome and the temples thereof and the mountains, and the faithful looked towards Peter, and Peter, seeing the strangeness of the sight, cried unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I, I know everybody's uh, uh, really interested. <laughs> like, maybe this is a little bit longer of a quote, but this is the last uh, screen. If thou suffer this man to accomplish what he had said about, now will all they have been believed on thee be offended, and the signs and wonders which thou had given them through me not be believed. Hasten thy grace, O Lord, and let him fall from the height and be disabled. And let him not die, but be brought not, and break his leg in three places. And he fell from the height and break his leg in three places. Then every man cast stones at him and went away home and henceforth believed Peter. So this is... Um, what a climax. Huh? What a climax. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like uh, he's uh, Harry Houdini or Evil Knievel and he screws up, but instead of the crowd helping him, they just like, oh, we'll just kill you off. <laughs> yeah, which is a little bit weird that they would do that. It's almost, you know, I'm, as I'm thinking about that, like Evil Knievel, it's almost like, uh, what's the movie, The Once and Future King? Mm-hmm. Right. When they say, well, you're not a God. Right. When he bleeds. Right. At that point, they like they try to kill him because they know that he's deceiving him. Right. But uh, yeah. So in this story, Peter has to win. And it's interesting. Break his leg in three places. You wonder if that has significance. Right. And uh, casting stones at him. Right. Just like uh, maybe Paul a little bit. but. yeah, so it's uh, Simon Magus, he's trying to ascend, right? And then Peter prays, and then he falls. And then he's, he's killed by the crowd, according to, according to, to this story. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Maybe the three places that correspond to the Jesus' two hands and his feet, you know, the three points that he's nailed to the cross. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, like, um, when we get to uh, the Great Declaration, right, there's always these uh, triads, right? So there's, uh, well, for example, stand, standing, well, stand, right? Um, a repetition of three is a, is a common thing. So maybe that's a, a slam at Simon. Um, so then we have, so this is the canonical story of Simon Magus. 
uh, more often uh, called Simon the Sorcerer. It's the, you know essentially the same thing. And throughout, I've kind of highlighted different phrases or words that um, we'll see later. So now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and the low, gave them their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. And that'll, that'll come in later. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So it's also worth noting that, um, you know, when uh, Simon is preaching, he's also doing signs and wonders, right? But he's he's deceiving them with his miracles, right? But when uh, when uh, Paul um, and uh, John, right, when they're doing the the miracles, um, they're they're preaching the gospel and then giving the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what's interesting too is that uh, a uh, he's off. Simon is obviously using some sort of higher agency. I don't think it's obviously he has some power. They're not just tricks like a mechanical Turk or something. But Philip isn't like, oh, evil Satan or whatever. He's like, okay, you're cool, but we're cooler. You're cool. We like your God, whoever it is. Probably the same God, who knows. And the other thing, too, is that so fundamentalists and Orthodox like to say, well, the Gnostics came after way after Christianity, but then it's like, no, but if Simon Magus is the first Gnostic and the father of Gnosticism, he's a contemporary to Paul and Jesus and Peter. So Gnosticism started at the same time. <laughs> they kind of give it away or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you talk to scholars, I mean, the prevailing view is third century. Although, that, well, that's why Gnosticism is kind of a slippery term, because, like, at what point do you declare it, this is Gnosticism, right? Yeah, I'm going with more like sola scriptura Christians, you know, not, yeah, with this, the scholarly consensus, you can't get anything historical out of Acts anyway. <laughs> it's almost impossible, right? Yeah. It's a novel, you know, that's what it is. You know, um, so I was listening to a Christian radio, right which uh don't judge me right <laughs> i just i just like to hear this uh the stories um yeah. and then this guy was saying this pastor was saying it's impossible to be baptized and not have the holy spirit to be a believing professing christian and not have the holy spirit there's he said there's no example in the scripture where that happens but then instantly i think of this right yeah, so simon magus was a believing baptized christian and then they give him the Holy, or they try to give him the Holy Spirit later, right? Which, I mean, maybe uh, probably everybody, well, has heard the story. I'm going to ruin it because I'm going to read it, read the rest of it. But, you know, I'm a bit of a tightwad. Why would you want to pay for something that you're going to get for free anyway, right? Like, it just it's just kind of weird to offer to pay for it. And then, of course, he can't have it because he's, I don't know. 
you wonder what's going on there. Well, the apostles wanted all the power for themselves. See, they had the power to heal and all that stuff. And Simon Magus wanted to get in on it. He was willing to, the way I look at it, you could say it was a donation. He wanted to donate to their cause in return, be one of them. But no, he, they didn't want him to be one of them. Yeah. That's what it was. Didn't want him, yeah. him to join the club. Racist Judeans against Samaritans. The Samaritans. Uh, yeah, they're country bumpkins, these Samaritans. Yeah, that's just weird. Yeah, the, the thing against Samaritans, right? Well, and, in the beginning, Jesus' ministry uh, was not for anybody but the chosen people, but for the Jews. Yeah. And uh, the famous story of this, you know, Samaritan, you know, all of a sudden everything changed and he was going to include the Gentiles, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here, let's uh, keep reading here. All right, continue. I have to let the cats out. I'll be right back in one second. Yep, sure thing. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John. And so I have Peter and John highlighted because uh, we'll, um, they'll come back in to the story. Yeah. Sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, which is, I mean, it's kind of interesting that um, they've, uh, they became believers, but they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. Um, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit, right? So, um, yeah, baptized, and then they placed the, the hands, the, what's it called? Uh, the laying of hands, right? When Simon saw the Spirit he was given at the laying of the, the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Hey, Elliot, all of a sudden you sound like the guy from that song, uh, Radio Killed a Video Star at the beginning. <laughs> you sound like you're on a phone. He lost all the bass response. Uh -oh. Do I still sound off? Yeah. Hey, you sound like you're coming from a phone. Should I? I mean, I wonder if I should refresh here if that would fix it. Yeah, go ahead and refresh. I'll, I'll read the rest of it for the audience. All right. Simon Acts 8 9 24. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Wah, 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 wah. So that's that's it for Simon Magus. Uh, are you back, Elliot? Yeah, that's on okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah now, you're, now you're back to normal. Yeah. All right, brilliant. That yeah. was good. I think you should uh you should narrate everything. The role of my lifetime. I was <laughs> meant to play Peter and Simon. So. <laughs> yeah. and By the way, whatever it, happened to uh judge not lest he be judged, and uh, he was without sin cast the first stone here. <laughs> well, that was just Jesus, but uh Peter and John, they they rolled differently, I guess. 
They don't care. They knew nothing. They cared nothing about the ministry and the life of Jesus. It was all about Jesus dying on the cross. That's all they cared about and him being resurrected. That was um, Paul's thing again and again. And of course, let me yeah repeat what I did, what I've pointed out, uh, where he says, uh, uh, let's see, what does he say? Lord, in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Thought in Acts is translated as, I think, enoia, and it's the only place in the Old New Testament. So something that Peter was actually saying, the enoia, Sophia, the divine feminine is in your heart. That's why you're corrupt. Get that Helen of tire out of your heart so oh yeah that's a good point and uh here you have no part you have no share in this ministry so that that point right there kind of makes us wonder like this is a polemic that simon was a figure in early christianity right that they have to say you have no part or share in this ministry and you're not right before god you're fine. Yeah. Um, and now, so we we just uh, were talking about uh, Simon Magus, and that's the only part where he appears in the canonical texts, is in that one brief story. Or is it, right? We're going to read here, um, Bar Jesus and Elias, or Elias. <sighs> Uh, the two of them, and they're talking about uh, John and Peter, uh, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as a helper. So just as before, they're, it's Peter and John. And you wonder if there's something to do with Cyprus, because remember Josephus talks about a Samaritan, um, a Cypriot, mm-hmm. doesn't talk about a Samaritan, he, say, he talks about a Cypriot named Simon, and then we're, we're assuming that they're talking about Simon Magus. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. So. It's it's a wonder people don't talk about this, isn't it? That bar, son of Jesus, that, so it's Jesus right there. So the bad guy, the Jewish sorcerer and false prophet is named Bar-Jesus. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Very interesting. Who was an attendant to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Mm-hmm. And so Sergius, we'll um, get to this on a later slide. That means servant, Sergius Paulus. So Paul, it's Paul. Uh, the proconsul, an intelligent man, right? Like you wonder, like, it's almost as if like, uh, uh, you know, a follower of Paul is writing Acts, right? It's, a, it's very, um, yeah. and then so it's, it's funny that they add in the, an intelligent man, right? So it's almost as if, Paul is writing his own uh, uh, biography or an autobiography um, sent for uh, Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. And then so it's, it's interesting that they say Saul, not Paul, right? 
And, you know, people say all the time that uh, Paul went from Saul to Paul at the Damascus, Damascus Road experience, right? That's not, that's not true. This is where it happens. So in this story is the first time that he's called Paul. But Elemus, oh, shoot, it's Elemus, not Elias. So I, need, I should fix that. I missed an M in that uh, thing. All right, uh, Elemus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means. Opposed, which we don't know what is going on there because uh, Elemus, we're thinking that means wise. So there's, where does sorcerer come into that? I don't know. Um, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, right? There's our first time where he's called Paul. Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elemus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord, right? Just as uh, Simon Magus was um, basted. Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Right? So it's we're mixing everything up where Paul is blinded, right, in the Damascus, on the Damascus Road, and he can't even see the light of the sun. I just think this is I, – I look at this story, and I'm thinking, what, what is even going on? Yeah, something. Yeah, something interesting is going on underneath. Yeah, or you know, some people have speculated that maybe they're both telling a historical story, right? That they're just mixing up the the what happened, the characters and whatnot. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Right, just as Paul was led by the hand. Uh, when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Simon Magus, he yeah, kind of a shameful exit out. So Yeah. And then here, Romans one one, where uh, the we have the figure of Sergius Paulus. Right, Romans one one. I Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus. So it's uh, Sergius Paulus or Sergius here, right? And then Paulus uh, before that, uh, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So it's almost um, like it's taking something from Romans and it's the very first verse of Romans. So maybe maybe that's conspiracy theory, but I think it's it's something. <laughs> And then, so here's the most reliable uh, depiction of Simon Magus with the great declaration. So you're probably more familiar with it than I am, but because like, I just, um, I think what is even going on here, right? That I'm trying to piece it together where it's like, um, like, uh, what should we say? So there's like uh, the sky is like the father. Uh, the earth is like the mother. There's everything is fire, mm -hmm. right? So God is a consuming fire. Um, Which means he might have been influenced by stoicism 
or Zoroastrianism, one of the two. Well, Heraclitus hung out with the Persians. So, yeah. This theology of fire from the East. Yeah. Which, yeah, there's a lot of um, Persian stuff going on, I think. Mm. Um, and then here, um, boundless power, the universal root. We see that in a lot of Gnostic uh, texts. They love this root idea. Mm-hmm. And part of me wonders if, you know, so you have principle, power, root. That, uh, you know, with the, so you have the, the top of the, the structure here with within presumably the pleroma, maybe, maybe not quite. But the root, just as Abraxas's legs were snakes mm-hmm. or serpents, you wonder if that ties into it. And then the power, you can think of like the, the soldier with the whip and the shield, right? And the universal principle, which might be something like fire, but not quite, like a parallel to fire. But, you know, I'm, I'm just speculating. Um, I see parallels there. Um, and then uh, below that we see he who stood stands and will stand. So in the polemics, uh, which we'll we'll get to, um, they say that that's how uh, Simon Magus refers to himself. And then um, on the right uh, we have the different powers: so mind, voice, reason, reflection, name, and thought. But then. Um, there's another, I, so maybe you could explain this, but so on uh, number D, the image of the incorruptible form, that's not included in the six powers, and that they kind of skip that one. But um, Yeah, that could be some scribal thing, or sometimes it's like, I mean, this all this stuff is in potential, and sometimes included, like, like when you look at the secret book of John, and the plural is coming out. There's one section that says humanity. It's like humanity was already included before, you know, Yaldabaoth and Sophia because it's something, well, in potential, it's still there. So that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. These cosmologies, yeah, they're all so different and so Baroque. And it's like. <laughs> that yeah, sounds platonic. In incorruptible form, that's a platonic concept. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just like, um, I mean, we're, we'll get to that point later, but uh, Timaeus, right? With, uh, if you're familiar with Timaeus, which probably not everybody is, uh, they talk about the creation, just like the Great Declaration does. Um, and then they're talking about the senses and, you know, uh, Fire is a is a basic element, and so they they equate the the books of the Torah with the senses, right? Just like Timaeus right. um, talks about the senses. So you wonder on the stages of uh, development, which uh, the Great Declaration does too, like uh, kind of referring to it as like a baby, uh, you know growing in the womb and then uh, developing after it's born. So 
as we said, the first and highest principle is fire. And then uh, from Deuteronomy, we have God as a devouring fire. Um, and then fire has hidden qualities and manifest qualities. So there's some that are hidden. I'm going to guess that's the fuel of the fire that's that's the hidden part. And then the actual flame is the manifest part. Would you, Is that your take on it or what would you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like we said, the sky is like the father, earth is like the mother. They kind of get a little bit TMI with it. Um, but uh, we'll just <laughs> we'll skip over that because, you know, we, uh, we like this channel. We don't want to see it go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that's where it's at. So Genesis is uh, uh, correlated with conception and sight. I have no idea how these things are correlated, but he just says that they are. Exodus with birth and hearing. Leviticus with respiration and smell. Numbers with speech and taste. And Deuteronomy with synthesis and touch. Well, so I guess we'll just take that with a grain of salt. Do you have yeah, a? It's, it's, uh, it's definitely esoteric. Uh, I don't know Judaism. Uh, uh, this could be. I mean, it's obviously different than what Simon Magus says according to the church. It's, he's much more Gnostic and less sort of, I don't know, animistic, cabalistic in this one. But he's trying to tie it in all to Judaism. Now, obviously, the Samaritans were the remnants of the Israel tribe, so. They hated the Judeans. The Judeans hated the Samaritans. But this is uh, this is definitely uh, and the and like we talked about, there's a big fusion of of Stoicism. Uh, there might be a fusion of uh, Zoroastrianism. So it's it's a pretty wild text. And if you know, even individuals like Dr. David Litwa said this could easily be a first century work. I mean, this is pretty. It's pretty intricate and mystical for first century work. Yeah. Yeah. And which um kind of interesting. I, I, I ran by a few of my ideas by Dr. Uh, Litwa. Hmm. And uh they're he doesn't he doesn't uh, think they're well grounded, which I mean they're not, but today we're being like uh Simon Magus and flying away. We're not uh we're not gonna stay on the ground. <laughs> it's only the beginning of these studies. Yeah, and then there's a whole blood and sex thing right with the mother and the father in eden and all that so it's pretty wild i know what's the other interesting thing is that humans it's different because humans are not created in the image of the father they're actually created in the image of the mother so yeah kind of a, a different take of the first thought of the annoyance so it's a yeah it's a pretty wild text again well again anything close to the gnostics and you're going to get really trippy and psychedelic and yeah. And the crazy thing is this is like um, a more simple version, whereas like Valentinus, um, we don't know too much of Basilides, but um, it just it just gets more complicated from here. Like if we're if like I'm I'm a little bit lost with what we're talking about, the great uh, declaration just with uh, Valentinus. What is even going on? This is just like crazy town. Yeah, and then, I mean, yeah, you get into like the tripart tractate, which has like billions of aeons that have fallen into the world. It's like it never ends. It's like war and peace. 
Well, you analyze things, you break it into a million little pieces. It's like the mirror that shatters, right? Yeah, yeah, but there's only one. Yeah, yeah. And then the more religions you try to kind of appease and and include, right? You got these people from all these different little tribes or areas that believe these different things, and you mash them all together, and you get very complex cosmologies. And and yeah, maybe that's where that comes from. I think Um, so. All right, so. Let's see. So there's six roots. Um, and this is kind of what we talked about uh, previously. Mind, voice, reason, reflection, name, and thought are also called the six powers. Now, I remember, or we might remember from the Gospel of Mary, I think they talk about six powers there. And I'm, yeah, it's hard to follow with what what she's talking about where as she ascends, you know. Uh, with the powers and whatnot, but um, maybe you kind of go through mind, voice, reason, reflection, name, and thought as you're ascending into the pleroma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so co-mingled with all of this was the great power, the boundless power. This was that which has stood, stands, and will stand. And the seventh power or root corresponding to the seventh day after the six days of creation. Shoot. That's why it was left out. But why in the middle, though, is the, are they listing it? But okay. So yeah, that, that makes sense how there's the six powers. And then there's the one that stands out. That's from the seventh day. It's like the Sabbath. Um, it is the spirit of God that moved over the face of the waters. Which... I mean, that's probably the most Gnostic, um, uh, you know, part of the the Bible. Um, It existed potentially in every child of man and might be developed in each to its own immensity. The small might become great and the point be enlarged to infinity. All right. And then so... With the Simonians, there's some speculation into what's going on with them. Uh, The scholar John D. Turner, he thought it was a synchronistic local Hebrew cult, which I think all or pretty much everybody was synchronistic, right? I think that's what made things fun with religion. Yeah, that is true. And... uh, but uh, he doesn't think it was Gnostic at the time. And then later, you know, just like we have, uh, you know, higher and higher Christology, mm-hmm. that he was just elevated, just like Christ was, you know, more stories tacked on to him. And then um, there's a successor, um, Meander. Right. Um, so meanderings continued to exist for some time with Simonian influence. And then so um, Simonian influence into Basilides um, and Christianity um, and Greek philosophy. Like uh, we kind of speculated into uh, Platonic thought. Mm-hmm. All right. So the standing one. That's Simon Magus, he who stood, stands, and will stand. 
So here we uh, here's some of the references where he's called uh, the standing one. And then um, it's hestos is the word in Greek. Um, and that's more of like uh, we're standing firm rather than like being placed in a spot. Uh, we are like we're, we we take a stand, right? Is the sense that it's meant. In this way, we must think concerning Simon Magus so that we may compare him to the Libyan. Far sooner than unto him who, though made man, was in reality God, if, however, the assertion of the likeness in itself accurate, and the Magus was the subject of passion similar to Absethus, let us endeavor to teach anew the parrots of Simon that the Christ was not Simon Hestus, Stas, Stemon, that's a tongue twister. Stes omenos. So that's the Greek, and they're like, um, what's it called when you change a verb um, to a different thing? Um, declension. Yeah. Declension. Yeah. Decline. Decline it. Yeah. Decline. Um, so that's how it uh, it's uh, declined. Um, hestos stas. Uh, let's see. So according to Simon, therefore, there exists that which is blessed and incorruptible in a latent condition in everyone that is potentially, not actually, and that this is hestos. And so that means the standing one, um, stas stesomenos. He has stood above all. No, wait. He has stood above in unbegotten power. He stands below when in the stream of waters. He was begotten in a likeness. He is to stand above beside the blessed indefinite power if he be fashioned into an image. All right, and then let's see. Here's uh, the Clementine homilies. Um, on one occasion, Decithius perceived that his artful accusation of Simon was dissipating. The opinion of him was with respect to many, so that they did not think that it was that he was the Hestos or standing one. Came in a rage to the usual place of meeting and find Simon struck him with a staff, but he seemed to pass through the body of Simon as if he had been smoke. So this is a little bit like, um, it's almost like uh, a trope, right? With uh, magic, like uh, you can't you can't get him, right? Because he just uh, yeah. he turns to smoke. Uh, thereupon, Decithius, being confounded, said to him, "If you are like the Hestos, I will also worship you." Then Simon said that. He was, and Dositheus, knowing that he himself was not the Hestos, or standing one, fell down and worshipped, and associating himself with the 29 chiefs. And then, so this part is, um, they had as many members as the days of the month. Mm -hmm. um, he raised Simon to his own place of repute, and thus, not many days after, Dositheus himself, while Simon uh, stood, fell down, and died. So um, 
So Dositheus stood, fell down, and died. And I have that highlighted because it seems like the opposite of stand, stands, will stand. So it might be a little, um, what do you know call it, play on words a bit. Uh, yeah, poor Dositheus. So Hestos means standing one. Yeah. So what do you guys think of uh, starting a company? Viagra Hestos. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about it. Standing it works. Always be no, let's take one. a poll on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Anybody want to finance a Viagra Hestus? Let us make. And uh, yeah, you'll turn into smoke after too. <laughs> All right. Let's get <laughs> dear, outside dear. of the yeah, bad jokes uh, before the crowd stones me when uh -oh. it breaks my leg in threes. Let's go to Revelation 1.8. And there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. Elliot casting a massive light on the father of all heresy and the font of Gnosticism. The fascinating quest continues in our second part. Please support this Red Pill Cafeteria or to get the full show, or if you find any value in the content. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of your many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics are more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. But this is our time to shine like crazy diamonds. We hide priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.